This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that can think of more than a few pieces of rhyming slang for banker. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. Good, Andrew. Good. I thought, what were you thinking? Andrew? I don't know. I'll let the audience banker. fill, fill banker. the blanks in themselves banker. there. Today on the podcast, a right royal mess at the Royal Commission, hence hence the intro. I ha- oh, there you, you like go. It? You're good at that. A brave new world for media as well. Are Seven and Fairfax destined to merge? A bit of a rumour uh, uh, doing the rounds there. Indeed. Uh, and we're going to go to the mailbag again. Malcolm, Malcolm Turnbull goes short. We've had a question on that. And also our take on Telstra, the big T. And Scott, I believe it's the your... T. Oh, I like to start. <laughs> I like to start things. <laughs> they just never catch. How's the pump, dump or trump or pump or something going? We'll get back to that. All right, okay. Uh, are your turn on the high horse? Yes. Okay. Settling up. Let's see if we actually make it uh, on, on, <laughs> on time to, to fit that one in. I've just noticed that neither of us has a timer on, so I'm going to do that while we speak, just to make sure we don't completely abuse our listeners' trust. So, so professional. Aren't we? Um, mate, we, we cannot do a financial slash money podcast and oh, not mate. talk about the Royal Commission. Absolute, complete debacle. It has been dominating the headlines, and for good reason. Yes. And there's been some really big things happening there. Um, just this morning, AMP chief Craig Miller has quit. Yes, he has. Fallen on the proverbial sword. <laughs> We've had Westpac. Um, uh, they've given advice to a couple who have lost their house. Yeah. CBA has been charging dead people. <laughs> I, are you surprised? I guess that's the first thing. Uh, all this stuff coming out of the woodwork, any surprises there? Colour me incredibly, incredibly unsurprised, Andrew. One of my favourite lines this week was by Matt Dunkley, one of the writers at Fairfax, mm-hmm. who put up a, a meme. Meme, no, graphic things. I'll, I'll tell you about memes later. And it's you know, it's the kid from Sixth Sense saying I fee dead people. And that was a pretty clever <laughs> right, way to talk nice. about that. That was yeah. a nice that was yeah. a nice one. And you're right, Craig Mellor, the AMP CEO, is officially this morning stepping down. Mm. Uh, the board saying that they and Mellor have agreed to part ways, mm-hmm. which is code for either Mellor's fallen on his sword, or frankly, he's copped a sword in the back from somebody he's else, and he's pushed. on the way out. Uh, mate, it has been an absolute debacle at the Royal Commission mm. this week. The, the so I, I originally said I didn't think we needed to have a Royal Commission. I didn't think that there was anything that would come out of the Royal Commission that couldn't be adequately addressed by the current rules and laws that are in place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still think on, a, on, a, on some level that was true. I did, though, before the Royal Commission, come around to the view that we did need one, and fundamentally mm-hmm. because the commission, uh, sorry, the culture and the incentives were so incredibly broken mm-hmm. that there's one thing to say, this is regulation. These are, these are the current laws, mm-hmm. current rules. They simply weren't being enforced sufficiently. Mm. They weren't being held to account sufficiently. We needed this Royal Commission. I think the evidence... Sh- shine a bit of light on it all. Oh, yeah. mate. And the evidence is showing that. These are the problems that exist culturally in these financial institutions. Mm. AMP, the latest, the big four banks. There'll be more to come after that. Industry funds still to be looked into. Financial planning still a debacle. Mm. There is a massive, massive mess when it comes to the financial services system in Australia. We've talked about it before. Yeah. This is a very, very welcome Royal Commission. And frankly... The fact that, that Commissioner Hayne and also Rowena Orr, the council assisting, who has done a spectacular job, mm-hmm. they're calling a shock and, as in shock and awe, which is pretty clever, in the media. <laughs> um, that, they are doing a great job in really eviscerating these these bank staffers, AMP staffers, who absolutely, I don't know if they individually necessarily deserve as much grief, but the companies themselves deserve massive amounts of grief. And I hope desperately there will be changes as a result. Here, and I said this to you, in fact, multiple times, um, just an Banging hour ago at breakfast it. as well, and 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 I think it's great. I think it's it's there. There is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of unsavory elements that are that are coming to the fore, yep. and it's it's great that that, that that's happening. Yes. but call me cynical. I I'm really worried that five years down the track, mm-hmm. this is all a distant memory. Yeah, nothing has really changed, 
And here's the thing as well. You kind of look at the the the, um, the response. In, yeah. So so an extremely well-paid CEO quits his job. Now, let's say you and I put our heads together and let's say we're going to conceive of a way to screw over all of our, our customers. Hypothetically. We get away. No, hi, totally hypothetically. <laughs> let's just be clear here. Yeah. And, it's a thought exercise, and, not a plan. And we do this for, for you know, in AMP's case, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah. Um, uh, Blatantly illegal, to your point. I mean, these these rules are here. There let's are... be let's be slightly careful with, that, with <laughs> what, what's alleged versus what's more... proven just now. So let's just say blatantly illegal. You're let's much say more careful. Allegedly blatantly illegal. This is illegal. in my hypothetical example, <laughs> oh, okay, right, right, right okay. just for the lawyers listening. Let's, let's take AMP out of the but, conversation. So we now hypothetical. Oh, okay. We're blatantly illegal, right? We're just <laughs> screwing over our customers. Page incorporated, right? Right. Yeah. And then after making a squillion dollars, yes. I get caught and oh, busted. Okay, I'll resign. It, yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? The company pays a couple million dollars in fines. You resign with your nice golden parachute. Everyone's happy, well, right? Where's my incentive not to do that? Yeah. Firstly, there's a very small chance I'll get caught. And yep. if I do, I lose my job. You know, it, why isn't why aren't people going to jail? Yeah. And, and and when fines or if fines come, this is going to be out of petty cash for right. these multi, multi-billion dollar companies. So it's kind of, it's a cost of, a cynic could look at this and say, look, Guys, let's just wait. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do a bit of mea culpa in the dog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll wait for all this to blow over. Let's keep doing it because even if we do get busted, it's just a we we we, we can pay these fines a <laughs> hundred times over. Yeah. We'll we'll put some poor Patsy. We'll, we'll we'll be the fall guy, and we will go on and we'll continue to make a million dollars. Please tell me that that is overly cynical and that I've got reason for hope. I can't. You can't? I can't. So here's, there was a tweet this morning saying, banks facing $210 million in fines. $210 and million. Well, the thing, right? So for the average punter, that's a big number, and it absolutely is a big number. So you think about that. If, if, you're, you know, if you're not in the financial service industry, if you don't have a sense of the size of these banks, you look at them going, wow, about time they find them some serious money. Now, let's break it down. Let's say there's five of them. Let's say AMP and the big four banks, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Let's say they've got to pay a quarter of a fifth of that each, right? That means each of them are up for about $40 bucks. And let's say it's been going on for 10 years. Mm. It's cost them $4 million a year each to absolutely take advantage of customers, of competitors, of the system, of regulators. As you say, it's a cost of $4 million a, a year. AMP made almost $900 million yeah. in net profit yeah. after tax profit last year. The banks would pay more than this fine to their PR agencies every year. You think about that, it's just, it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy approach. Uh, and, and to your point, Matt, CBA made ten billion dollars. Right, right. So let's say they get fined. Let's say they get fined a fifth of that money. Forty million dollar fine. Oh, that'd hurt one. Oh, it? those poor, yeah, those yeah, yeah. poor guys. Now here's the, and to your point about incentives. This or no, you didn't. I mean, I answered with incentives. To your point about five years time, this is the problem. The GFC was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. What caused the GFC was a whole lot of bankers mm-hmm. with a B. Although you could choose another letter. You could use an, any but, other letter you like. Exactly. Somewhere between V and somewhere one of those. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> The the, <laughs> the the problem was that they had a they have all the benefit if they get it right mm-hmm. and none of the costs if they get it wrong. Let's say I offer yeah. you a deal, Andrew. I say, mate, come and come and work for my company, my mm-hmm. investment bank. Mm-hmm. If you get this right, you get ten million dollars. If you get it wrong, you lose your job. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty asymmetrical. You're gonna, you're gonna take the bet? Yes, of course you are. A hundred times over. And so that's what caused the GFC was idiots who got paid a bonus for taking big risks with mm-hmm. no downside. Yep. Now I wouldn't say that necessarily people running the Australian banks are idiots or that there's no downside. But what I would say is. As you've already pointed out, the, the fines will be tiny, tiny. Like they should be in, a, in the billion dollar range at least before mm. you start getting serious. Yeah. But more than that, where's the downside? You, you know, the banks, the bank CEOs for the last decade or two, and remember, there's a whole lot of CEOs now who are carrying the can for the guys and girls before them and before them and before them. Mm. This is not a new problem. This is not last three years. Yeah. This is potentially a decade, maybe even two decades old. Mm. Three or four CEOs in that time for most of those organisations. Mm. The first three got off scot free again their multi million dollar salaries for multiple years. Mm. Some of them probably got 15, 20, 25 million dollars a 
in salaries across mm. the entire time, plus bonuses. And then you come out and say, well, there's a problem here. We better find them 210 million bucks. It'd be less than the CEOs were paid over that time. Here's another depressing thought. So the the when when all this is done and dusted and whatever fines can be levied are levied, yep. you, you would think that there'd be enough of a, a, a community uproar and therefore in turn a bit of a political motive to right. do this. But this is almost the problem in, in, in that we are so, as a society... Mm -hmm lackadaisical about this kind of stuff. It's, it's yeah. one of these things I think we kind of accept as just one of those evils that's always, ah, the <laughs> banks, you know, they're, yep. they're, they're, all, they're all crooks. No, but, totally. but, but no one's writing a letter to, you know, the, their local member. The, the, the pollies don't really have any great incentive to do anything about it because people just, people care, but they don't care enough to do anything. Right, and, right. and by the way, I, I put my own hand up there. As much as I'm outraged, I'm not doing that either. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm asking you, what, what do we do about that? I, I, why, why don't we care? Why, yeah. why don't, or at least enough of us care? Because we don't see it as being relevant to us. And this is, this is why they get away with doing it in the first place is because finances are hard, finances are difficult. Mm. Banks over there do funny things with funny products, with funny names, with systems no one understands. Yep. And so you look at it and go, oh, I just don't understand. Hopefully someone's looking out for this. And this is the problem. So first thing they need to do, APRA and ASIC need to double their regulatory and compliance staff. This mm -hmm. won't happen because the government won't do it. No. If they are serious, they double the staff at least mm -hmm. and make sure this is getting proper investigation, proper follow through, mm. properly looked after. That's mm. the first thing you do. Second thing is you stop giving people the opportunity to make these things go away with a small amount of fine. You mm. put in law much, much larger fines, multiples or portions of yearly profits, for example, mm -hmm. and you make the individual CEOs or executives, their remuneration contingent on not being found to have done the wrong what thing. What about not just the remuneration? I'm no, clearly, I am no legal expert, but why not? <laughs> why not? If, if I'm acting on behalf of a company and, I'm, and something is, is done wrong, it's sort of the company who wears it, but why yep. not make people personally liable? Now that changes. Yep, I am, totally. we, we talk a lot about the power of incentives. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if, if it's me who's personally on the line, right. it's me that will potentially face a, a personal fine. It's me that will go to jail. Yep. Totally. All of a sudden, you know, I'm much less inclined, I would argue, to 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 do the the um the nasty stuff for yep. the good of the company if yep. I'm the one who's got all the downside. Yeah, that's right. And not, not only well, it's that as well. It's also just it changes the the way you think about your business. So the yeah. amount of time spent by a bank CEO on incentives or compliance or something else versus the next big deal changes very quickly when you start making these things personally, you're personally responsible either through fines or jail time for getting mm. it right. You start to think more about what your financial planners are doing or what fees you're charging. Now, some of this is genuine oversight. and part. Some of this is just simply there was too much money to be made. No one bothered spending the time to get the systems right. So mm. at some level, it's just pure uh, ignorance or, or, or lack of interest. But as you say, making it personal all of a sudden makes things very, very real. Okay, one more thing on on all the banks and stuff before we move on yes. is uh, let's let's bring it back to shares and investing and all that kind of stuff. Good idea. Now you look That's at what we do. I'll take CBA as as the example here, not yes. not for any reason other than it's just the first one that I, I plugged in. Mm -hmm. And shares they're, they're down about twelve percent or so over the year. Now right. this this is you know as of today, yes. as of all of the stuff that has already sort of come to <laughs> yeah. light. Yeah. Um, is it something that if, if, and I know that a lot of mum and dad investors, and mm -hmm. in fact, all of us through our super have exposure to the banks and AMP and the rest of it. Yep. Is it something that we would need to worry about? Is, is, is this really going to impact in a material, sustainable way, the share price? Very little, uh, <laughs> very little chance. Yeah. Look, what, what you, here's what I think 
the, the best case for both society and not so no not best case for bank investors at all, but the best case for society is that the rules change, the incentives change to such a degree mm. that it makes profits harder to grow in future because they've got to stop doing some of the dodgy stuff. Well, and that that should in turn impact the share price, right? right? And so that's well, I guess what I'm thinking. There's not going to be any major, you know, seven, ten. Oh, sorry, there'll be ten. There'll be seven. There won't be ten. Mm. Uh, ten billion dollar, uh, you know, fines paid by by you know mm-hmm. these sorts of companies. Mm-hmm. What what I think hopefully will change is is their ability to grow in future because they have to stop doing this stuff. Mm. Um, it's un- it's unlikely because these things are relatively small in percentage terms in terms of bank profits. Mm. It's unlikely to all of a sudden see them cut their profits by twenty five percent or even maybe even five percent. So, you know, will it impact directly in a material kind of big bang way when something is announced all of a sudden? Mm. I don't think so. I am hopeful that they have to stop doing some of the dodgy stuff, and maybe that does retard growth. And yes, in a perfect world, if the market was efficient, mm. that should bring the shares back by some quantum. Mm-hmm. I would guess somewhere around five or ten percent max. I would I would assume um, that that should absolutely happen. Mm. Whether it does, whether investors respond accordingly, is an open question. It does put another risk in the in the risk column. Funnily enough, mm. uh, when it comes to owning bank shares, not only is the property market slowing down, but you've got headwinds around financial planning, wealth management, mm. um, all this kind of stuff that maybe weren't there before. And so, if you want to do a pros and cons sheet, it makes it much much heavier on the con side. And I guess to this this idea that this vertical integration mm-hmm. in this industry is maybe something that we've already seen, you know, some of these institutions get rid of their wealth management arms. It's not right. if you can't overtly refer people internally, kind of think, well, where's the benefit right, of right. that? I mean, you roll all that in together, and maybe it makes it a little less um, exciting. Mm-hmm. Let me flip it around uh, one more time. Does it get to a point where, because the markets overshoot, that's mm-hmm. just what they do, mm-hmm. does does this pessimism, perhaps in part well justified, go too far to a point where you say, actually, despite all of this stuff that we don't like, mm. um, there is a point where it now actually becomes attractive? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and that's why no bit of news, well, almost no bit of news is either t- permanently terrible or, or great. It always depends on what price you pay for those shares. I think that's, that's, the, that's the key question. So... To, to answer your question directly, yes, there is always a price at which banks are too expensive. There's almost always a price at which banks are too cheap, and there's a decent range in between. So yes, at some level, if the shares were sold off, I don't know, 30%, 40%, you get pretty keen oh, pretty wow. quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? hell yeah. Um, yeah. If they fell 5%, it, mm. it's very, very rare that anybody... Uh, some people will tell you this is true, and they're lying to you or themselves, whichever mm. you want to choose. Mm. There is no business in, at any point in which 5% move in share price takes it from a sell to a buy. You just can't be that specific. And frankly, mm. the possible returns from that aren't different enough to make it clearly the case that it goes from a sell to a buy or a buy to a sell. Sure. But if they were to drop materially and the PE gets just simply too cheap on mm-hmm. on a reasonable level of earnings, by the way, not yep. last year's earnings because yep. earnings may well fall, um, then yes, there's absolutely a price to pay for the banks. I don't think we're there yet, um, particularly if you want to beat the market. We say regularly, you should want to beat the market if you're most people. Mm-hmm. If you can't, then buy an index fund. Yeah. If you're looking for fully franked income, there's a chance you might want to buy the banks a bit sooner than that mm-hmm. just because you want that fully franked income. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, we better move on. Let's do it. Let's switch industries and okay. let's let's go to um, one industry facing some strife to another one facing <laughs> some very real strife. That's the media industry. Yes, indeed. And uh, there's been some uh, rumours that Seven and Fairfax may merge. Now, both of these companies have had all mm-hmm. kinds of troubles that are so well publicised we don't really need to go into it too much. Yep. Huge structural change, new media, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Does a... well. My first question to you is, does a merger of these companies really solve their problem or does it just sort of, you know, stay stay the inevitable? Yeah, it's a really good question. So Fairfax has been under 
take over merger speculation for probably two years now. So yep. it was not that long ago, TPG were kind of looking around. They'd made a preemptive kind of bid. Um, mm-hmm. Fairfax kind of rebuffed them. Then there was talk that Nine and Fairfax might merge, and apparently that fell over because Fairfax wanted a larger slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Now Seven West Media and Fairfax are apparently in talks, at least uh, if you believe some of the reports. Mm. Uh, Fairfax is, is an attractive you know, it's an attractive bolt-on business for some of those other media players. And I think that's where the the opportunity exists is you think about what what is what is media these days. And if you think about uh, maybe you'd separate radio because it's kind of a different medium and it's mobile and it's a whole lot of different stuff. Yeah. But you think about television versus newspapers and combine mm-hmm. all that together, it's eventually give it a couple of years, maybe five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. It'll all be done online anyway. Mm-hmm. And so you think about, okay, I'm going to go online and get some media content. Mm-hmm whether it's a visual piece of content through a television station, mm-hmm. whether it's a written piece of content through a newspaper, mm-hmm. they end up kind of being two sides of the same coin. I know, for example, Channel 9 in Sydney, but certainly nationally, really strong TV network, number one in news, think from memory. And their their digital arm is 9.com.au. They're doing news there as well. I've got a 9 news app on my phone. Mm-hmm. So you kind of think, well, 9 sort of crosses over into that kind of digital space now anyway. Mm-hmm. It makes sense at some level, just rather than think about newspapers and television, start to think about that kind of media consumption from a news and content perspective. And you start to think, well, how different is the Nine News broadcast from a Fairfax news article? Yes, they're different kind of mediums at one level in terms of one you one's moving pictures and the other one's text, but they're kind of peas in a pot at some level. They're not mm. that distinct anymore. And I think particularly once the newspaper stopped physically printing dead mm. trees and they mm. start to say, well, we're now all online, mm. the difference between what's a newspaper business and what's a media business or a, or a television business that starts to merge pretty quickly. And I think for me, I don't know whether it solves anyone's problems necessarily, mm. but they're probably Gives less... Gives them a, a, more of a fighting chance. I think yeah. there's less reason for them to be different companies. Mm. I think at some level, if you think 15 years into the future, the chance that we go online to get our news from a combination of written text and moving picture mm. content, mm. there's no reason for that to be a television station series business versus a newspaper business yep. when they're effectively doing the same thing in the same sorts of ways. And I guess the investment banker with a B um, <laughs> or not or not, uh, uh, pitch to, to these companies yep. would be that, look, you've got a newsroom here, you've got a journalist here, you've got resources that you're paying for. Right, There's right. this wonderful term, wonderful in quotes term, <laughs> of synergies, synergies. That, that we can we can do the same with, yep. with we, we are, when we're emerging, we can get rid of a lot of duplicated costs, mm-hmm. So which, which helps us sort of deliver the same kind of content on on a much lower budget yeah that's right um now there's arguments i think pretty good arguments in fact that that's that's a net negative to society because you've just got less people looking at it and right, you, you right. get you get a more homogenized sort of version of it and the rest but yeah, yeah. again from a pure business lens that's that's the other element to it right yeah so the, the government has recently repealed what they used to call the two out of three rule you could own a newspaper that's a right. television station or two out of three of a newspaper, television station, a radio station in yep. a single market. Yep. That's now gone. Uh, the argument goes that there is enough diversity of opinion between free sites and citizen journalism and social media and all that kind of good stuff that we don't necessarily need uh, to keep the two out of three rule. And so if they merge, would it be a big deal? I think the question, as you say, mate, is really, you know, where is the content being produced by whom and how many, how many different, particularly news organisations, to the extent that news is being reported as news as opposed to um, opinion or, or or something else, some other slanted mm. view of the world. Mm. Um, if if you know a man bites dog, you probably need one or two people reporting that rather than six or seven different people reporting that. Sure. But the, the important thing is the diversity of opinion is maintained. Yeah. For what it's worth, uh, Sky News Business that we both appear on sometimes mm-hmm. is actually being simulcast now through the Australian's website. Yeah. And so you start to think about that. That's kind of a model of where Fairfax and Seven or Fairfax and Nine may end up. Mm. Exactly that type of approach where you go to a particular site, you get your news, you can watch a bulletin, you can watch a story, and it starts to become different ways of receiving the same sorts of content. All right.
Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, let's open up the mailbag, let's shall do we? That. Um, we've got a good couple of questions throughout Dig deep, the week. Uh, Samuel Krieg, um, at Samuel Krieg, K-R-I-E-G-4, uh, uh, a follower of yours on Twitter, and uh, he says, and I know you want me to read out the first part, so I will. Okay. Uh, hi, Just lads. Love the podcast. Very uh, sorry, well sorry, done. What do you say? I actually enjoy your ramblings. Very nice of you to say. Love the podcast. I, I know you probably get a heap of mail for your <laughs> mailbag. Um, we'd, always, we'd always welcome more. Um, but my question to you is around um, Telstra. Yes. Is this company in a solid position for the future? Can you see it turning around from its current lows? Is the issue with the sector on a whole, uh, is the issue with the sector uh, writ large or is it just Telstra specifically in, yep. in a rough spot? Uh, thanks in advance. So big question. Yes. Now Telstra has to talk about, we really are focusing on, on companies doing it tough this week. <laughs> and, and Telstra is, you know, it's the preeminent mum and dad kind of stock. It's I think one it's the most widely owned stock in the country. I, I believe that we had these uh we had T1 back in the day and yes. T2 where it was sort of spun off two customers. So all not these... the Terminator movies, but the, uh, <laughs> not the privatization of movies. Um and, and T3 by the way was so on the nose the government basically gave it to the future funds to take it away. Just get rid of it. Yep. And yep. and it, it sort of saw all of these people who weren't um direct holders of shares become right, shareholders right. it's sort of it's one of the reasons why australia has such a high level of share ownership in the world so it's um yes exactly but let's let's be honest it's been a pretty woeful ride these shares are at 450 or so yeah. about a year ago they're about now at three dollars and 11 cents yep. Uh, so I'm going to throw you Samuel's questions in turn i'm going to get you to answer them so the okay. first thing is is this company in a solid position for the future <laughs> so first things You're not first, with confidence. No, well, first things first. I've got. To, I, I run the dividend service. We recommended this when it was thirty percent higher. I am ashamed to say. Um, and the argument. At Don't that, be ashamed yet. You know what's going to happen in the, in the well, fullness of time. Well, look, I, I, I frankly, I would have preferred it was thirty percent up from here. <laughs> but our, our argument was always we were very cognizant of the issues that Telstra was facing. Right. Um, th this is a very mature business. Um, it's unlikely to win any significant market share. In fact, it's, it's more likely the opposite is mm -hmm, true. Mm -hmm. um, it is far more competitive, so margins might come down. They, they've lost their wholesale monopoly rights when it comes to with what's happening with the NBN. So there's this big $3 billion mm -hmm. earnings. So there's all these negative stuff, really so well pu publicised. But the argument was, and remains for what it's worth, is that the they do have a very good, and I think um, there's a, a reliable base level of cash flows that's coming out of this thing. Right. And Telstra often gets talked about as this thing that's called a bond proxy. We talked about bonds last week. We did. Sending all of our listeners to sleep. <laughs> um, so go back, go, back and, accidents. We're not entirely go back sure. and listen to that one. Liam's smiling here because he wasn't here yeah, last Liam, week. Liam so thank, luckily thank missed, God. I mean, missed I'm sure he listened to it after the podcast. He never misses one of our podcasts. Tried to listen to it. <laughs> Tried to listen to it. <laughs> Fell asleep. Fell asleep. Fell asleep. Um, and, and for those that did manage to stay awake, uh, we, we talked a bit about bonds. It's basically, you, you buy it for a certain price, you get that money back after a certain time, but you get you get some payments along the way. Bond redux. And not, not only did we bore people last week, we're going to bore them again this week. We'll get to it again. <laughs> and so, so the argument was, is that, look, even if Telstra, even if it can't see its dividend, yep. um, there's going to be enough cash flow there to support that. If you buy it <laughs> around this price and sell it at around this price in five or 10 years time, you've still got enough of an income to have made it worthwhile. It's not going to be the kind of stock that sets the world on fire. Right. Um, um, we don't get to measure this with our returns, but but individual investors absolutely get to count the very, very, very real benefit of franking credits. Yeah. Um, so we kind of thought, look, for an income-focused investor, it deserves a place in the portfolio because of that very reason. Mm -hmm. So we fast forward through to today and we sort of say, well, what has happened? Now, the dividend has since been trimmed back. 
um, uh, which I understandably um, reduces the value of the shares in the eyes of the market. But outside of that, we've also seen a, a trying to think of a non-jargony way of saying, but a compression in the multiples. In other words, the, 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 the price multiple people are prepared to pay on earnings or the yield that they are happy to accept has changed. So, so there's, putting me to sleep. There is, there's been a perception change there as well. <laughs> and it's very, very, very difficult to do when shares are, are down um, right, right, as right. much as they are. But I, I think that the sensible thing is... My argument recently to members was this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I found a, a bear case. There was a fund manager out there who was shorting Telstra and they said, we okay. expect that in five years time, Telstra will only be earning about 22 cents per share. Right. And therefore we, you know, that's, it's, it's earning um, much more than that at the moment. Exclude the NBM payments, about 25 cents a share. So it's not a good, good outlook by any stretch. <laughs> so I took a starting position as well. Let's assume it's true. Um, and let's assume they managed to sustain the current dividend um, for a few years. And then they drop the dividend to 18 cents. So well below what mm. they're earning. Uh, it's only about 80% of their earnings paying, uh, paying out. And let's say that the dividend never, ever, ever grows again after that. Well, you, you do a bit of mass, and again, I'm not going to send people. I'm going to make people more sleepy. But we've talked about valuations before. But oh, yeah. when you sort of do a little bit of mass on that, and you, you value of your future cash flows, it actually came out to a point. where I was like, I actually still think that's a market beating return. Right. Importantly, with the caveat where you can count those franking credits. So that's me on a very very long ramble on why I think <laughs> that Telstra certainly has problems, but the market has overstated them, and it is at a price where I think that. It's still worth buying. Just just be realistic with your returns. Understand that it's going to probably be um, a, a, a bumpy ride, yep. but those divs will keep coming through. And I think over the course of five years, certainly over ten, you'll be happy enough. Nice. I think it's pretty good. I'm going to add a couple of thoughts very quickly as we as we go to the next topic, which are that I think from a from a from a company perspective, Telstra is abs. Just to answer the question, Telstra is absolutely facing industry wide tailwinds. Mm -hmm. um, the, oh, sorry, headwinds. I should say those headwinds are about the challenges of growth in a slowing market. And margin reduction you talked about, I think they are largely industry headwinds. Mm. If anything, when you've got a slow-growing industry, mm. the biggest risks actually face the most dominant player because unless you can gobble up your share, you've always got someone at your heels trying to take business away from you. Yeah. TPG, Vocus, mm -hmm. um, Optus, Vodafone, they're all out there trying to get bits of your business, whether that's yeah. fixed broadband, whether it's mobile, home lines effectively are dead now. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the big challenge for Telstra is, is can, it, can it be and, and remain... Um, a quality competitor mm. and maintain or grow market share in that period. I think Telstra's big shining light and frankly, the hidden part of its business in terms of its returns is actually its mobile business. I think that for me, that's the bellwether. You if your mobile business that. continues to grow and be successful, I think you're in a very good place over the medium term. If they, the competitors do start to bite some of that, that's where my, my, my hope for Telstra, my expectation of Telstra is that mobile continues to be a real shining light. Yeah. If that dims, that's probably not good news for Telstra. They are spending billion, literally billions on mm -hmm. uh, their network and they will be one of the first to roll out 5G. Um, uh, they have the best network coverage. I think there is legitimate brand value in Telstra. People outside of the cities, especially where people recognize there's just superior network quality. Right. TPG is building its own network, so we'll see just how that's going to play out. But yeah, I, I think all said, all told, if, if you're looking to like, you know, by the next hot growth stock that's going to make you a squillion dollars, this is not it. This is not it by a long stretch. <laughs> right. but, it, but if you're an income-focused investor with a long time frame and conservative expectations, I think you'll do just fine. Modly Fool Money. Mate, let's move on to the next one. 
uh, we heard we mentioned in the intros there was a, there was a bit of talk in the media about Malcolm Turnbull shorts <laughs> Australia. Now we've talked about shorting yeah. a lot. Um, for can, those, can I rant about shorting again? No, please don't. <laughs> please. Uh, just 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 for those, oh, just man. bring those up to speed very quickly. Shorting is just where you bet <laughs> on something going down. So uh, Malcolm's taken a few investments. It seems where he will profit if the value of the Aussie market. Uh, Overall falls. Why does Malcolm Turnbull hate Australia? And so that that was that was the line that 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 some in the media took. That you know, why does Malcolm hate Australia? Why is he betting on prices falling? Scumbag. I've talked too long for this segment. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hand that to you. Easy. Look, I, I... But, but but let's not rant on short. Oh come on! I've got at least 15 minutes a, with a rant up just, my sleeve on that. Just a little bit. Can we do a PPS and just have me rant for 25 minutes <laughs> if you want. And another thing. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull has uh, he's a millionaire, multi-millionaire. We know that uh, he and his wife Lucy have a very large amount of money and, and a nice mansion on Point Piper in Sydney, which is completely you know well earned. Um, he was behind the Aussie Mail business, one of the investors in that in the yeah, very very early days of the internet. Right. So. He's got his money. He yeah. invests some of that money across multiple different managed funds and with mm-hmm. different fund managers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as part of that, he's picked a fund manager and a particular fund mm-hmm. that has what they call a long short portfolio. In mm-hmm. other words, they mostly invest in uh, stocks like to hoping, for, hoping for gains, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they hope for gains, but they're also taking some sort of what they call hedging or, or downside protection mm-hmm. or risk protection, whatever you want to call it, if the market was to fall or if that particular fund manager thinks, says, well, if I'm good at picking stocks that go up, Mm. Maybe I can use that skill to also pick stocks that go down and bet on both sides. So if I'm right about the good stocks, I'll make mm. money. If I'm right about the bad stocks, here's another way I can make money. Rather than avoiding that loss, yep. I can actually make money by the, the shares falling. Makes sense. So yes, he has some has some money in some of those those funds. The particular fund he was invested in apparently at one point had 0.3% of the of the portfolio shorting the banks. Look, I don't want to sort of rush to Malcolm's defense. I try to stay as apolitical as I can on, on these kinds of things. But you kind of think he's got a portion of his money in this in this fund, yes, a very small portion of yes. which is short. <laughs> That's right. And to draw a bow between that and him hating Australia, this just seems like a massive beat up, right? Surely not. It just seems, but it got a lot of headlines, didn't it? I look. I gotta say, I think it, it, Turnbull's not the not the uh, savviest, and this is not a political statement. Well, I guess it is if you want to see it that way. He's not the savviest politician, mm-hmm. right? He's not the guy who's the absolute ultimate kind of. Um, Retail politician, you know, he's not. He's not a. Well, I was going to say Barnaby Joyce. He's his own trouble. But he's, he's <laughs> not. You know, not some of, those, some yeah. of those people really know how to talk to the base and really energize yeah. the base and do everything they can to be the voter's friend. Yeah. If you're already a multimillionaire and you're investing in a long short fund, at some level, I have to say, if I was turned by me, like you know what, I'm not sure how that'll look. I might not do it just because I don't want a headline like the one that's turned up. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, you know, I don't like shorting anyway, but that's a different conversation. The simple reality of saying I'm going to go short, I'm going to bet on something falling, I'm going to make money if other people are losing money. It's a really bad look for a politician. So, you know, is, is it of any consequence? Absolutely zero consequence. Turnbull will lose as much, much more if the economy tanks mm-hmm. um, than if, it, you know, than he makes if, if and when it goes down. If the banks fall in share price, he'll make a few bob there. Yeah. The, the, possibly the banks fall, nothing else falls, nothing else goes wrong, really remote. And so um, it's hard. It's a very, very, very long bow to draw to say he's betting in any way, shape or form on, on the Australian economy declining or anything going badly wrong. It's just a really bad political look. Fun headline, though. It's a good headline, though. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Uh, mate, I think we, I think we're going to be able to fit it in. Oh, hey. uh, we've got a couple minutes, so I will keep you on a tight leash here, but it is time.
goosebumps every time. <laughs> Is that because you're waiting for exciting things I'm going to say? No, I, just I like can't wait until he starts talking. <laughs> no. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm right. going to do something you should never, ever do. I'm going to throw one of our listeners under the bus. Okay. So I'm, I'm not really. So Samuel sent us the, the, the question at Tulsa, which we loved and appreciated, and, and it's all wonderful. You're looking I have at me. no idea what he's yeah. going to say, by the way, Samuel. So who's on his own? <laughs> you're looking at me like, oh, God, what don't blow this. This is the end of our podcast career. Um, and Samuel, he asked the question. He didn't ask the question about Telstra, though. He asked the question about TLS. So, well, TLS is an acronym. That, that's the ASX code for Telstra. Yeah, ASX TLS. And this is this is my high horse, right? There are so many people around the world in the financial industry who will happily talk about a company as if it was a three-letter code on a screen with a wiggly graph that did lots of wonderful things, except anything than running a business. And I get that it, TLS is Telstra, Telstra is TLS. I get that, right? We know so well that there are behavioural biases that we all suffer from. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you let yourself, as an individual on any topic, start to make shortcuts, you start to disconnect the reality from the perception. Mm -hmm. And that perception, if you start to think about TLS, you start thinking about stock codes and daily share prices, and all of a sudden you're charting, you're day trading, and you're going to lose a fortune trying to be... Now, Samuel's not going to do that. So Samuel's a great guy. We love him. I'm, not, I'm going to put him back out from under the bus now and dust him off and He was tweeting as way. well. He's only got 280 characters to play with, right? So if you can save a couple oh, okay. there... I, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll give you that one, Samuel. My, my broader point is it's a really, really, it's, it's an easy thing for us all to do to try and do shortcuts mm -hmm. in life. And in investing, it's so easy to do that, right? Yeah. Just look at a PE. Just mention a three-letter stock code. Just have a quick check of a graph. Mm. All these shortcuts, human evolution, we're designed to have shortcuts, right? Mm -hmm. Stereotypes and rules of thumb and mm -hmm. pigeonholes. These things are real because we don't, we can't, our brains can't cope with every piece of information. Mm. There's a door closing in front of us. Yeah. I'm going to put my hand out and stop it closing. You don't have to think, What's going to happen next? The door might close. I might hit myself if I walk in through. I'll put my hand out and make it stop. Mm. You're familiar with the fact if a door's swinging back at a decent pace, you put your hand out, you stop the door swinging, and you walk out the door, right? Everywhere in life, you hear a lion roar in the distance, mm. you're not going to go and investigate because maybe it's maybe it's some wind. Mm. Maybe it's a lion. What are you going to do? Mm. It's really, really easy to fall for those psychological traps of the shortcuts and the stereotypes and the cliches and the, the three-letter codes, and I get it, and it's not a, again, I'm not whinging at Samuel necessarily. Just, it, when I saw the thing come up, I was like, it's my pet hate. I've, 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 I've bagged, bagged you guys about it many, well, many times. As our GM, we often, <laughs> if I can just share a little insight with our listeners, we often have Scott giving us a little Page. message, followed usually by a smiley face emoticon <laughs> saying, guys, guys, so, let's use company names. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so handy some, to use the code. Someone says, hey, have you guys seen the share price of TLS? And I'll say, TLS, what do they do? And, and what I love And we love that, it. And we well, love it. <laughs> You laugh at me. What I do love is the new guys when they start. Because yeah. when I do everything, there's a new guy. This, oh, no, that's Telstra. Like, yeah, dude, I, I know. I'm making a point here that, you know, it's not a thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I do. We're all privately messaging him going, oh, for the love of God, just let him have this one. We are so sick of do it. Do yourselves a favor. Don't use stock codes because Scott. And now I'm boring our listeners with the same thing. <laughs> you are indeed. Just because our listeners deserve the, the benefit of my thoughts as you guys get every week to know that maybe, just maybe. So, look, it's not about the code necessarily. It's partly about that. It's partly about just. Remembering as you're an investor, you're owning small parts of a business. If we have any theme with it's our not podcast, just the ticket that, code. Yep. It's, a, it's a piece of the business. Be mindful of that. Be careful of that. Understand what you're buying. Try and resist desperately the temptation to stop thinking about it as a company in any way, shape, or form. If it's a graph, if it's a ticker code, if it's a daily share price movement, Telstra's customers don't go up and down on a daily basis. That you know, it's it's we it's get the it, business we get itself it, you're buying. We get I'm so glad we had time. I'm so glad we had time for the high horse I'm this week. Glad you're glad, Andrew. <laughs> I'm happy to have, I'm happy to have helped our listeners. Let's wrap this I up. I feel like you're giving me a, I'm not sure you're appreciating mine. <laughs> no. 
Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do next week. I'll do it again, but I'll do it better. Okay? Oh wow, fantastic! Tune in. Um, <laughs> don't forget, you can subscribe to the Triple M Monthly for Money podcast through iTunes and your favourite Android podcast app. And you should, and you should. You get to hear me talk about soccer codes again. This very vitally important point that. to Australia's economy and financial system. <laughs> uh, please give us a big fat five star rating when you're there. Don't tell your friends. Codes. Don't mention stock codes. And if you'd like a little bit of extra foolishness, you can always head to www.full.com.au forward slash triple m until next week i'm andrew page i'm scott phillips full on full on the motley fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned general advice only please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m the motley fool operates under financial services license 400691